Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by our assistant pastor, Carlos Farias. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. All right, so Acts chapter 9 was where we're going to be tonight, so if you would, just follow down with me in verse number 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, talking about believers, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We're able to just be here in your house tonight. Lord, thank you for the freedom we have to gather. I pray, Lord, that you be with this message tonight, Lord, that you just have me say the words that you want me to say. Lord, that... uh, points would come across, Lord, that it would just be an encouragement. I thank you for the time uh, studying this. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with our community Sunday coming up in just a few days, Lord, that you would bless it. Uh, Lord, all the outreach and effort that we put in, I pray we would just see visitors, Lord, and people saved. We love you, and then we pray. Amen. So Acts chapter number nine, uh, it's a very familiar passage. We have a man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus, and it starts out saying that Paul was yet again breathing threatenings. And tonight, what I want to talk about is just being a welcoming Christian. And that is just because we have our community Sunday coming up, which is uh, one of our biggest Sundays of the year. And we have put a lot of effort and our outreach and just inviting people. And we want to make sure that we're welcoming to those guests there that day. So in this, in this passage, we have, we see that Saul has a heavenly encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, we hear about Saul in Acts chapter 8 and verse 3. It says, for Saul, or, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into, into every house and hauling men and women and committed them to prison. So Saul was known for his persecution towards Christians, and Saul was on the road to Damascus to do the same thing. And the trip for, from Jerusalem to Damascus was well over 100 miles So Saul believed that it was worth it to travel this road, travel all this way to just throw Christians in jail uh, over 100 miles and saw that it was way worth it to do that. Uh, Some of us don't even think it's worth it to drive five minutes to put gas in our car. So Saul was passionate about persecuting Christians and uh, he was very goal-driven on this. And it says that, or God, but we know that God had a different plan for Saul. As Saul was on the road to Damascus, we know that he had an encounter with Jesus there. And Paul writes about it in Galatians 1.13. It says, For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God. So as Paul writes these uh, letters to New, to New Testament churches, uh, he doesn't shy away from his past. He doesn't uh, just forget what he was before being saved. And he writes about that. He says, I persecuted the church of God. It's amazing to see that there was such a dramatic change in Saul's life. Saul was one that Christians knew exactly who he was. I mean, 
Uh, they knew that he was someone who was there to attack them and that he wasn't on their side. And the Pharisees, the scribes, all the religious leaders, they knew exactly who Saul was too. They knew that he was passionate about going to uh, attack Christians. It says that when, when, in, when Saul was preaching and teaching after his salvation, uh, the people there were shocked because they knew that Saul, uh, they wanted, he wanted to destroy anyone who called on Jesus' name. And then they see him preaching Christ's name in the synagogues. And we, we, we know from this passage that, that Saul's conversion is a big part of it, but something that's overlooked, uh, maybe, is two men in this passage that are named Ananias and Barnabas. And just like Ananias and Barnabas, I want us to see why we should strive to be welcoming Christians. A study showed that you only have 27 seconds to make a good first impression. A study among 2,000 Americans examining the art of first impressions found that 7 in 10 Americans form a first impression of somebody before they even speak. The research investigated that the key contributors and timings to a positive first impression and found that smiling, being polite, smelling nice, being a good listener, making eye contact number among leading factors. So we only have a brief time uh, before someone forms their first impression about you or about uh, the church. And that's why I wanted to preach on uh, being a welcoming Christian because uh, we have all these guests uh, come visit Moses Lake Baptist Church and we're not being welcoming, they might have a bad first impression and that lasts a long time. So the way that we receive people that come to our church will have a lasting impact. And I want us to see tonight what a welcoming Christian looks like. First, a welcoming Christian is one that obeys God. If you look down in verse number 10 of chapter nine, it says, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, as he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, and to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, he has sent me, be thou mightest, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. We don't know much about Ananias in, uh, from, from Scripture except for that he was just an average disciple, a certain disciple, that, someone that followed God. And for what we do know is that he was ready to obey God. He was ready to be used by God. And he was ready to do whatever God wanted him to do. It wasn't absolutely necessary that God would use a man like Ananias for something great like ministering to Saul. But I love what Ananias said. He says, I'm here, Lord. Meaning Ananias was ready to serve. He was willing to serve. And God spoke to Ananias in a completely different way than he spoke to Saul. And Saul had a bold, almost violent confrontation from God 
But Ananias heard the voice of God sweetly in a vision, and, and Ananias was just ready. He said, I am here. And so often we get concerned with what other people are doing for God, what God should be doing with them, but not focus on us being willing to be used by God himself. Ananias had a very logical reason about if he should really obey God because Ananias knew who Saul was, right? Saul was this mean guy who was, he, was, he even told God, he said, God, he's, he's here because he got permission from the, from the chief priest to come over here and persecute us. And he's trying to plead his case to God on, is, is God really sure that this man has changed? And Ananias sure has his reasons. He had every logical reason to not go because Saul was a bad person, and Ananias knew that. Ananias tells God that he's, he said, okay, Lord, but I'll go, and I love that response from Ananias. Saul's reputation is widely known, especially among those who follow Jesus. If I were Ananias, I would be skeptical and fearful as well. Even in his fear and uncertainty, Ananias steps out by faith and trusts God's plan and simply obeys and goes to Damascus. We can see that God gives Ananias specific directions. It says, God tells him to go to a specific street called Straight, a specific house. He tells him to find a specific man named Saul of Tarsus and that Saul is praying. And Ananias was ready to obey God. What does the Bible say about obeying? Luke 6:46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Luke 11:28. But he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Exodus 19, God talking to Moses. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Hebrews 5:8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by things which he suffered, talking about Jesus. We see Jesus in the Bible displaying obedience to God's plan, and he suffered through that. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Deuteronomy 28.1, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations above the earth. And I can go on, but we know that God places an emphasis in Scripture about being obedient. Like Romans 12, 1, you know, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And the problem with a living sacrifice is that we like to get off the altar and not obey God. So God wants us to obey. We know that God wants us to obey him. It's so much easier to say yes to God now instead of running from him. And we know there's examples in scripture. Uh, the first person I think about is Jonah, who God wanted him to, to preach to this nation. And he said, nope. And God was like, here's a big fish. And you know, Jonah could have just said, yes, God, I'm ready to preach to them. But he had to take it the hard way. So it's just so much easier to say yes to God instead of trying to run from him because uh, we can't outrun God. And I like that Ananias, he was ready to serve. Here, I'm here, Lord, please use me. I'm, I'm a willing vessel. And that's, that's why God chose him. God saw that Ananias is a man that I can count on. So first, 
A welcoming Christian should obey God. Secondly, a welcoming Christian serves with others. If you look down in verse 19 of chapter 9. And when he had received me, he was strengthened. Then Saul, then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the son of God. Saul, uh, now numbered with the disciples at Damascus, the ones that he was going to throw in jail and persecute, now he's hanging out with them, serving with them, and they're preaching Christ in the synagogues. And it's just awesome to see that Saul was doing these things with the disciples at Damascus, and the, they didn't just turn him away. They were serving together. And Paul explains more about this in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 12. First Timothy 1, 12 through 13, it says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul's, Paul told, Paul's writing to Timothy, thank God that he had mercy on me and that he put me in the ministry, and uh, I was one who was a blasphemer, blasphemer and, he, and God enabled me. So Saul was, Paul was writing about this in Timothy. We can see that Saul was confronted by Jesus, calling out his sin and his ignorance and asked him why he's doing all of this. Saul's conversion reminds us that at its core, salvation is something God does in us. What we do is only a response to his work in us. The, the salvation of Saul proves that God can change the heart of anyone. So if there's anyone in your life that uh, you've been praying for to get saved, that oh man, I don't think they would ever trust Christ. Well, just think about how God can work in anyone's life. And that was Saul. We know that it says a lot about Saul really changing, but it also says a lot about the disciples at Damascus who would be, who'd be willing to serve alongside of him even after they knew what kind of man he was before he got saved. And they didn't hold Saul's past against him. They knew that, they knew who God was. They knew that God could change the life of Saul, and they were willing to serve with him. The people listening to Saul in the synagogues were genuinely shocked because they asked, is this not the guy who destroyed them that called on Jesus' name? And Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Saul, before ever writing this verse to the church of Corinth, he lived that verse. Saul generally became a new creation because of what Christ did for him. And Saul was able to be around other believers in Damascus and be encouraged. It is encouraging when we as a church serve together. And when new people come to our church, we like to get them involved. We like to bring them alongside us because we've been doing it and we want to encourage them by uh, asking them to serve with us. Would you and I have the same desire as those disciples in Damascus to serve alongside someone who persecuted so many Christians and got permission to throw them in jail. The disciples at Damascus were welcoming to the new convert Saul because they did not hold his past against him. They trusted that God truly worked in his life. Let's not judge others based on their past because no one is perfect. If we want to serve with others, if, and if we choose not to, then we are not being a welcoming Christian like we ought to be. Galatians 1.18 says, 
Then after three years, they went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. So we know that for some point, Saul was there with the disciples at Damascus for years. He was there for three years. And uh, that is awesome because we know that Saul, it says that he straightway went to preach Christ in the synagogues. And Saul was just serving with the disciples at Damascus. And we don't see them being like, I can't work with this guy. He's, he was really mean. But we see that they were willing, they were welcoming Saul. The second point, the third point tonight is <clears throat> a welcoming Christian loves unconditionally. If you look down with me at verse 25 of chapter 9. It says, Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he, he essayed to join them himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in, in the way that he had spoken to him. And now he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> so Paul or Saul was receiving death threats in Damascus. So uh, he couldn't stick around. It was, it was uh, Saul's life was in danger, and uh, Saul went from the one going to endanger and persecute Christians' life in Damascus to the one being threatened. So they had the disciples at Damascus cared enough about Saul to help him out. They had to get him out of there <clears throat> and go to Jerusalem. Saul was already going through a rough time because he had to be snuck out by his friends in Damascus so that he would not die. And when Saul finally makes it to Jerusalem, he tries to join along the disciples at Jerusalem, and they're, like, super afraid of Saul. I mean, even after three years of Saul constantly preaching and serving with the disciples at Damascus, they were afraid. Uh, they had the wrong reaction. They had a different reaction than the disciples at Damascus. Remember, at this point, Saul had already been serving Jesus in the if he was faking it, it would be very impressive for Saul to do it for three years straight. It didn't seem to matter to them, though, at Jerusalem. They, didn't, they let their fear mislead their acceptance of Saul. And sometimes we can let our fear drive us to make the wrong decisions, just like the church at Jerusalem. Uh, they did not show that Christ-like love to Saul that God would have wanted them to. But thank God for people like Ananias and Barnabas who encouraged Saul and welcomed Saul into the family of God. It says there in verse 27, but Barnabas, after they had said, we don't want to be with this guy because we're afraid, but Barnabas took him and brought him in to the apostles. And basically, Barnabas stood up for Saul. He stood up, he stood up for Saul. He said, no, this guy has been serving and he has, he has changed. And he was trying to convince the disciples at Jerusalem that Saul really changed. And God changed Saul's life in that way with friendship from Barnabas and Ananias. Maybe the disciples at Jerusalem thought this was all part of Saul's elaborate plan, that he was just trying to trick them and identifying with Jesus. And they really thought that Saul would maybe fake it for three years and then try to trick them into identifying with Jesus so that he could throw him in prison but that wasn't the case. We know that Saul's heart changed genuinely because that's what Jesus does in people's lives. Saul could have the mindset of, man, I've been serving God 
I've been doing all these things with the disciples at Damascus. We've been seeing people say we've been doing all of this stuff. And then here I am getting death threats, having my life threatened. So I have to run away to Jerusalem. And now uh, God's people in Jerusalem, they don't even want to be with me. Uh, Saul could have that mindset of this isn't really fair. I've been, I've been doing what God wanted me to do, but he, I'm not in my most favorite situation. And a lot of the times we like to let our circumstances uh, alter our joy in Christ. But Saul had a friend, okay, Barnabas. Okay, Barnabas was an encourager, someone who just lifted people's spirits up. But Barnabas stepped in and showed Saul unconditional love. And as we, we as Mosley Lake Baptist Church, uh, we're always used to being around each other. We're used to having friendly conversations, but when there's people that we don't know, uh, we need to show them that unconditional love, just like Barnabas showed Saul. And just a, just a simple, hey, my name's blank. What's your name? Or uh, how are you doing today? Thanks for coming to our church. Uh, we'll make a lasting impression. I know that there's been, there's been experiences where some people have said that, man, I went to this church and I just didn't feel at home. I didn't, it didn't feel like people had noticed me. And uh, they're, they're, they're always thinking about, they most tend to focus on the negatives uh, a lot. So people just need that encourager like Barnabas in their life. Who is the person in your life that you need to stick up for instead of ignoring them, try reaching out to them and being an encouragement like Barnabas was to Saul? The story of Saul's conversion begins with him leaving Jerusalem to persecute, persecute followers in, at Damascus uh, to ending in this passage with him having to leave, being threatened as a follower of Jesus. And even though that in this passage, the main thing is uh, Saul's conversion, it's great to see that two men, Ananias and Barnabas, uh, there were welcoming Christians, and we see that it made a difference in Saul's life. Uh, if Saul didn't have Ananias, hey, God said, Ananias, please go find this man Saul. But if Ananias would have said, you know what, God, I think I'm good. I think what I think is best, and I'm not going to go help this guy out because he actually wants to kill us all. But no, Ananias said, I'm here, Lord. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to be a welcoming Christian to Saul. And I'm sure that Saul needed that because his whole world flipped upside down in the fact that he, for years, was just, you know, a persecutor, someone who wanted Christians in jail. And all of the people in his life, in his circle, felt the same way. But when Saul received Jesus as his Savior, uh, he needed someone to reach out to him. He needed some new friends, some new encouragement. And Saul needed that encouragement from Barnabas when he was maybe scared that his life was in danger. Uh, he, he was starting to feel that what he had put others through. And Saul, we, we know that in the Bible that he witnessed a, man, a young man named Stephen uh, get murdered for his faith. So Saul is beginning to probably start starting to feel what he had put others through. And Barnabas stepped in and said, Hey, this is now my brother in Christ. He is, he, he's actually on our side now. And I'm sure that was a huge encouragement to Paul. And there's going to be people in our life who uh, we may not just know that they need encouragement, but we should just give them encouragement anyways. 
and welcoming Christians going to love people unconditionally. Philippians 2, 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than, our, than themselves. A lot of the times we like to focus on us. We like to be more concerned with how we're feeling and that, making sure that we are good, but the Bible says that we should look at others better than, better than ourselves. And on Community Sunday, we might have a lot of guests, we might not, but it's just been nice for us as a church to show those people unconditional love because we all have our hard days, we all have different backgrounds, and they're, they're probably out of their comfort zone visiting a church, they probably maybe never been to church or went to church when they were younger but are trying it out again. And if we aren't welcoming enough, that could lead them to not want to visit again. And in John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. The, this commandment that we should love one another is not just choosing who you want to love. It's not, oh, it's hard to love this person, so I'm just not going to do I'm not going to do it. I know God wants us to show that love to everybody. In 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. If you claim to know God, that you're saved, that you're a Christian, you should have that kind of love for no matter who it is. And uh, yes, there's people in our life that might rub us the wrong way. There's might, there might be people that we don't agree with or uh, don't get along with as easy, but that doesn't mean give us an excuse not to love them. Because we know God, we say that we know God that we're Christians so that we should love like God. And we shouldn't be welcoming in the way that Leo is to his mom on Mother's Day, okay? <laughs> if you, if you want to know about that, ask him, all right, why she has a black eye, okay? That's not the kind of welcoming that we should be, no. Sorry, Leo. First <laughs> John 4.20, or 4.7, or 4.20 says, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? We should just love our fellow brothers in Christ okay, and brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I want to be like Barnabas. I want to be someone who is an encourager that uh, people, say, people want to be around. You know, people always probably want to be around Barnabas. Uh, someone like who is really mean, they, people don't want to be around them. They don't want to uh, stick, stick around someone like that. So we should strive to be an encourager like Barnabas. In John 13, 35, it says, By all this shall men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. And Ananias and Barnabas were easy to identify as disciples because they had that love for one another. And Saul was just someone who was fresh on their Christian walk, their Christian journey. And those two men... I would say, played a big role in Saul's life. And I'm sure that God could have used anyone to be you know, encouraging to Saul, but he chose Ananias and Barnabas. And God wants to use Moses Lake Baptist Church to be that encouragement and friend to our community. Uh, we, don't, we don't have community Sundays. We don't, we don't do the Fairbooth outreach or the donuts to businesses or the pizzas just for the fun of it. No, we want to be a encouragement to our community and let them know that there's a church that loves them, that's praying for them. Most of all, that they, know, they need to know that there's a Savior out there who loves them. 
And although the first, at first the disciples at Jerusalem did not show unconditional love to Saul, it just took one person. It just took one person to show that love to Saul. And I don't know how many disciples at Jerusalem there were, but uh, basically all of them were in fear and they didn't want to. But you can be that one person like Barnabas in Saul's life that uh, shows love to that one person that might need it more that day. The Bible does not say only love who you want to love. Loving everyone may not be easy, but we can see from Scripture that we have a, that Jesus lived a life that loved everybody. With Community Sunday coming up in just three days, and that's, it's crazy that it's coming up already that fast. Uh, we've been doing outreaches for like the last month and a half, and we put all that effort in, all the outreach, when all the giving towards those. Uh, let's not ruin it on Sunday uh, by coming into church with a bad attitude and not welcoming. Because uh, something, something's going to happen that morning. Uh, you might spill coffee on yourself. You might stain your shirt or something, and then you're going you're gonna to want to come to church. and <clears throat> No one talk to me. I'm good. No, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm just here so pastor doesn't give me a phone call later, okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, seriously, something might happen that morning. Uh, Satan, you know, Satan's already trying to uh, convince the people that we invited that they don't need to be here. But Satan knows that we'll be there, and he's going to try to get us in a bad mood that morning. But if we just know that we should be welcoming to our guests and even be welcoming to our fellow church members, it will make a better community Sunday because if we at Muslim Baptist Church are not friendly and welcoming, it's not really much of a community. We're kind of just naming it for nothing. So let's be friendly. Let's be welcoming. The, the three points was, first, we should, a welcoming Christian obeys God. Do you have the desire to say, God, I'll be the one that you use. I don't want to worry about anyone else. I'm going to be the one that's willing to be used. And secondly, a welcoming Christian serves with, serves with others. Uh, did you know that you can come to church and just, you know, just be a part of the service, but uh, it's so much more rewarding to serve along with your fellow church members? Now, before, before I started being on staff, I loved serving in the choir. We did teen outreach and all kinds of other things. And uh, it just makes for a different kind of experience. Instead of kind of like being on the bench in sports, you're kind of out there on the field, uh, being involved in that different outreaches. It's because you get to see firsthand what God does and how he works. So we should be willing to serve others. Uh, if, if people come to our church and they start to get plugged in uh, and we're not willing to serve with them, that doesn't come off very welcoming. Thirdly, a welcoming Christian loves unconditionally. And that's probably, that's probably the hardest one because not every day we're like, willing to just give out this unconditional love and totally be unselfish. No, we're pretty selfish. And uh, when I said welcoming, I know all the introverts in here, they just, they just turned me off, but that's okay. They, all the, no matter if you're introverted or extroverted, uh, we can all show that unconditional love towards people. And I love just re, uh, studying this passage out, and I want to be like Ananias and Barnabas. I don't want to be like the people at Jerusalem that were living in fear and they, missed, they, they might have just missed out on uh, being an encouragement to Saul, but Saul was luck, lucky enough to have one person care about him. Uh, we might be the only person in that, in that person's life that can reach out to them and encourage them because 
Uh, we all know different people. We all have impact in different people's lives. So I just want to challenge us with Community Sunday coming up, though, at, let's be welcoming. Uh, Moses Lake Baptist Church is, I've heard from our guest speakers, different visitors, that that church is really friendly, welcoming. Uh, let's keep that up. We, we can keep being that to our community. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.